when we become self-aware and aware of what actually are the implications to how come we are a certain way, we can let go of the judgment that we that we lay on other people and then lay upon ourselves. It can be a beautiful gift, self-awareness. I'm Michelle Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly, Through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own, about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel, a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer, words, words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Nancy Dent, hi there. Hi, Michelle. Why don't you tell us where you're from? Well, I'm originally from Canada, and um, and I now live at Wallabadar, New South Wales, in Australia. So for anyone who's not Australian or not from New South Wales, that's very much country, New South Wales. It's, it's, it's the country. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. We are cattle farmers from the country, so most definitely um, countryfied. Yes. I am. Yes. <laughs> now, Nancy, I love your title. So you use the title of an advocate for human potential, which is so interesting and something um, that, of course, sort of makes me want to ask a whole bunch of questions and have this conversation that we're about to have. Now, just to get into your story, you you had an ending or a sort of a turning point in your life 10 and a half years ago. Um, You, at the time, were getting nowhere in the mainstream health system with your neurologically brain-injured two-year-old daughter. Um, Now, can you take us back to this time and place and tell us what happened to get you here and how this played out and what happened? Well, um, 
Well, 10 and a half years ago, I fell asleep at the wheel. And um, just from sheer exhaustion from being in a health system that didn't have any answers for myself, nor for the reason why my daughter was the way that she was. I just, I went to Italy that I shouldn't have gone, but I was searching for answers. So I just pushed and pushed myself to go a little bit further. And, um, and just probably about seven or eight minutes before I arrived home, um, I fell asleep at the wheel. Um, I hit a tree. Um, things weren't very good. And yeah, and and yeah, like it was it was a pretty it was pretty tough times and hitting that tree was a really big wake up call for me because I really realized that I wasn't doing things right and I wasn't listening to my body and I wasn't listening to that mother's intuition and I just had to step back and really I think I really had to just come back and, and slow things down because it was a rat race really and in the health system of just going to pediatrician to pediatrician to to doctor to no answers to it was just not a very pleasant experience for those 18 months really and um, so I just we had to stop obviously because things things made us stop and we just slowed things down and I just decided to take a new direction in life and that was um, a journey into holistic and integrative therapies lots of neuroplasticity shamanic journeying um like homeopathy energy medicine cellular communication um so many diverse ranges of modalities that i didn't even know existed like i was a farm girl from saskatchewan um, you went to your GP, that's what you did. It was very tunnel vision. And, and if it didn't work, well, then you were just labeled with something and basically put in a corner. Yeah. And so I really, that hitting that tree really, um, well, it opened up a whole kettle of, a whole kettle of fish that I didn't even know was out there in the world. And, um, and I'm extremely blessed to have that tree now in my life. But for, you know, for a period after hitting that tree, it was still pretty traumatic. But now I look back on it and think what a blessing that tree was, that it was actually there and it saved my life and my children's life, that we didn't go over the cliff. That's so I have a much different, yeah, yeah different perception of that tree. Yeah. <laughs> I love that tree. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Now I get being from country New South Wales myself and having very country parents and country family, I get the fact that nobody knows about um, about alternative medicine. Nobody talks about it. Nobody believes in it. Nobody would even read about it. How did you find out about this new path? Well, um, obviously I wasn't, um, I was emotionally very um very challenged I suppose um through the process of the 18 months prior to having my to being in that situation with my daughter in the health system where there was no answers right and so um a lady had come up to me and said Nancy have you ever heard of Reiki like and I'm going I don't know what that is and she's going it's like energy and I'm going what the heck is that crap? I'm not going to see some crazy woman who does this 
crazy shit, you know. I'm not going anywhere. They really um, encouraged me to go and do some really, like, nurture myself because I hadn't nurtured myself since we had Chloe because it was all about Chloe. And so when I went and seen um, a particular lady, she had so much unconditional love for me and just her energy was so divine. And she actually held me in my in my in my trauma like she allowed me to cry she allowed me to feel the grief the the shame the embarrassment all of those things and i don't think that um, our health system allows us to grieve in a way that doesn't um tell us that you know it's shameful you know that we feel all of these emotions so that was a really powerful thing for me but she also did like ancestral healing she did um internal family systems as well so she actually did a lot of different therapies not just reiki and so that was a really beautiful experience because i had never experienced like internal healing and because we um were really quite conditioned and programmed to believe that something outside of us can make us better when it's actually about the internal healing that's really going to change how we feel, but we're not told that. So that was a really new experience for myself in my healing journey. Yeah. How, how did you find that that first treatment um, helped you? Well, I just don't think that I had probably ever felt loved in my life, really, from my own childhood experience and what I was conditioned to believe. And, and I'm from the middle of nowhere. So it was that nurturing um, lifestyle probably wasn't as wasn't part of my world. Right. Like I didn't have that. So to be held in a place of unconditional love, being channeled this unconditional love from an amazing woman who was, is a guru of her modality was like, oh my goodness. And there was a lot of trauma that came up, you know, a, a lot of, um, I'm not going to say that the first Reiki treatment was beautiful and I walked away and I was a changed woman. That most definitely wasn't the case, but to know what it was actually like to be held in love made me want to go back and have more. Yeah. And so that yeah. started your deep dive into the whole world of natural therapies and energy work? It most definitely started for me, but it still wasn't about me. So um, just a little background story for so people can understand. So my, my second daughter was born to us um, severely compromised and there was no answers for her. So she was a very she was a little girl with no answers. So she's just one of one in a million people said people share with me that I should share this story, say it's a one in a million. And she was one of those children. So even though I had gone to do the healing because I wasn't very good emotionally, like, I mean, like depression had set in, I was anxious. I was becoming angry with my first child. You know, like there was a lot of things going on in my world that were setting me up for failure and really could have been setting me up for the end of my life because I just wasn't coping and things were getting too much. And so I think what it allowed me to do is when we go down this path of healing, when we first go into it, it just allows us to connect to ourselves again, because really depression, anxiety, disease, um, everything that's not supporting us is just 
that we're not connecting to ourselves. Like I can say that now, but in the chaos of my world, you know, however many years ago, I didn't even know that existed. So it really was, it was a moment in time that I had, I got to connect to a part of me that was hurting so much that, you know, that we've been told to push to push away, you know, ignore that, just keep pushing on, you know, don't talk about your problems. There's nothing wrong with you. And, and you're dying inside and how many people are dying inside right now. Right. And we just keep pushing it away and keep rising above and we'll keep working. We'll keep going. But it's not about that. It's about really connecting to ourselves and owning the pain. So it doesn't own us, yeah. you know, like, so when we acknowledge it and we bring it into our awareness, it's like going, Oh, thank you so much. Now we can move on. Now we can let that go. We give ourselves. But at that time, that was oblivious to me. Like I, I never even heard of that concept that we actually had to love, you know, love ourselves, you know, to move forward. I can definitely see that from a place of extreme overwhelm, you really lose sight of yourself and just focus on all the space, all the plates that you're spinning and everybody else mm. and everything that's going on. And it seems counterintuitive to actually focus on yourself, on the person who's trying to spin those plates. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, I agree. We just don't have a system that educates us on that. Um, you know, it's um, we're told as little babies, someone comes over. No, you have to give your toys to that child. You have to share your toys. But you're going, I don't want to share my toys. You know, but if we asked our child, you know, what could you share? Oh, I could share this because you're meeting your needs first and you could probably share twice as much or three times as much if you had filled your own cup up first. And um, and I think that we're not taught that way. We're always taught to give to others. We're taught to sacrifice so much from such a young little age, you know, the child is chucking a temper tantrum because he doesn't want to give his toy away. So we take more stuff away from them. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we form these beliefs, not when we're 20 or 30, but when we're we little kids. Mm -hmm. And I think we um, like for us to move forward in, you know, in a more um, community minded world, we need to create a more giving environment you know, within our own worlds yeah. and realize that when we give to ourselves, we'll have more than to give to someone else. And it's a beautiful world that we can create if everyone does their self-work, not because there's something wrong with them, but because they love themselves enough to do that. I think we'd, we would look at health in a far different way if we were taught to do that and if we understood that. Yeah. And I think that's the category of mothers. I feel like really they really fall into the trap of losing the focus on themselves and all of their attention goes into their family into their spouse into their job if they're working and you know they're never prioritizing or coming to fill up their own cup but that sort of society sort of normalizes that yeah, I think it. I think it does, and then and then the then the woman's desire to, um, you know, to be all that is so powerful because then we are, 
isn't she an amazing woman? She's got all of that. She can do all of that, you know, because we are, we're multi-skilled. We have amazing gifts, but I think we just push too hard. And that's why we see, you know, so much, I suppose we see so much anger between women as well. Like men just sort of get along with things and move on. But women, you know, we have this, this bitchiness towards each other, you know, like we're always competing. Oh, she's better. She's less than, oh, she's got a higher job. She's prettier. She's skinnier. She's, oh, she looks like she's got it all together. And it causes this really, um, I'm not sure, like this real comparison, like world where we seem to be little other women instead of empower them to actually go, you know, are you actually hurting right now? Like, I mean, I don't know too many women that really get together and say, you know, I'm actually really hurting. Would you mind step in here for me? Because who, what woman would want to look less than to another woman who's in whatever industry it may be, whether it's from the rural sector, you know, or a CEO, no woman wants to be that way because they're always striving and, and, and having this ideology and this cult. Now we live in this culture where women are so, orientated to business and, and driven and they're doing still doing all of these things it's hard for us women to maintain our natural feminine side of being nurturers when there is so much pressure from society to be all of that isn't it like I always struggle with that when I think of all these women trying to keep up with the Joneses and keep up with the men but still holding that real nurturing feminine side that is unique to women. Yeah. So coming back to you as a mother and your small daughter, did you then utilize the um, natural alternative health industry to try and treat her where the traditional medical world was falling short? Well, that 10 and a half years ago, near probably, you know, nearly 11 years, probably now, um, you know, like we haven't been to a doctor since. So we have done it all um, organically um, as in a way that um, it's, it's been a profound life change experience for my entire family. So there's um, my husband and I, and then my two daughters, yeah, and so none of us have been to a doctor in in that amount of time. So we do it all through um, the homeopathy and energy medicine, um, like epigenetics, like the environment in which we live in, um, all of all of that, and the neuroplasticity, like understanding the brain, um, introducing the fight flight freeze response. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and tell everyone that my life is perfect and we are so healthy and it's unbelievably, you know, perfect and we all love each other all the time. That is far from the reality. Um, But I know that the health choices that I choose, um, you know, are mine. And, And we have had a lot of trauma in our life and we've got a 15 year old daughter that suffered, you know, the adverse childhood experiences um because of my emotional dysregulation I suppose and so you know we've had to deal with all of that but I don't choose to do anything else except for to bring awareness to the situation and really do my best for the 15 year old daughter to create awareness on the adverse childhood experiences 
understand how limiting beliefs work, learn how the brain works, learn how the fight, flight, freeze response works, really just trying to educate her on that. That is what's happened. That is your perception of that event. And then, okay, now you have a choice because we always have a choice in what we go and do. And then for my youngest daughter, there's been lots of neuroplasticity with her. Uh, lots of, yeah, lots of the same things and really just um, providing her body with the right information so she then can start to do things more independently. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I've, like, I've tried therapies from all around the world. Um, we've had people that have seen her from other parts of the world that, you know, we've been fortunate enough to see in Australia, like new technology, like um I have been blessed, like for someone that just thought this tunnel, (laughs) I now just go, it's probably this much, and there's probably that much more that I don't even know yet. So, like, I mean, I think that's exciting because there's so many people out there that are creating new things and understanding, you know, our body and the wiring and the, the firing of our neural networks. Like, there's so much out there that's exciting that can feed our bodies the information that will fire these pathways up that aren't stimulated. You know, and they're really, it's not like they disappear or they're not there. They just haven't, they're just not firing at the capacity that probably someone that you think is, you know, normal, whatever normal is. And we just have to stimulate those pathways and it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting for the future. You know, if we were only told that those therapies existed. Yeah. So which are some of the therapies that have helped her the most? Well, Well, I would say the neuroplasticity has probably been the best therapy that I have for the cognitive development and the vestibular movements. Um, She wasn't really immune compromised as such, but her immunity was compromised because her brain wasn't working. Well, her brain was working at a very low rate. So, you know, it's not that she was a sick baby, but she was immune compromised because her brain was just didn't work was at the capacity her brain was working her immune system got compromised so now that I understand that there's a major difference when we talk about immune and yeah and neurological development there's a really you know a deep connection that we won't discuss here but that was really powerful for me to understand so homopathy and energy medicine just kept her really really healthy you know I'm feeling dealing with a lot of the um the emotional trauma of what she experienced before she came into the world Yes, and now we're currently doing, uh, we're just talking about the neuroplasticity. There's so much neuroplasticity out in the world on so many different levels, right? So you can do your brain, you can do your body. So she's, we've manipulated her brain by feeding her the right information through cranial sacral therapy, retained primitive reflexes, through doing, um, uh, like chiropractors do amazing work with neuroplasticity. We've done like the Molly suit, which fires pathways inside her body like she wears a suit and there's like little electrodes and they fire stimulus into areas of her body that haven't yet been stimulated so there was all of that sort of stuff so neuroplasticity can can has a really broad range of therapies that you can bring in to support development on depending on where um, I suppose the disability is Um, Chloe is a child that every single part of her world was impacted and that was probably where the health system was really lacking because um, 
they're just like, we don't even know where to begin with this child. <laughs> they're, we don't know, we don't even know what's going on with this child. So everywhere we went in every situation, even with the holistic therapies, we're just like going, we don't know if we can help her, but why don't we give it a go? Rightio, let's go, let's go again. You know, so there's lots of different things. And, um, and so now we're currently doing um, a therapy called Nutripuncture, and it is from France in its cellular communication. And I think it's probably been the best thing that we have done so far, um, because in the short amount of time we've been doing it, we've had the, um, the most amount of progress, but it's probably had the least, well, I'll put, it's had zero impact on her, on her health. So the other therapies, because she's been so, a lot of this neuroplasticity that we've done with Chloe, um, her, her body sometimes goes into shock because none of those pathways are firing, right? So sometimes she can actually regress before she gets better because lots of us have got pathways, but they just need tweaked a little bit more, right? You know, they can just go, right, okay, well, they're firing, but I could just fire them a little bit better and then I'm just not as tired or whatever else. Well, Chloe didn't have any firing in those things. So when we fired them, um, it's like having, um, like if you've ever gone to have a massage, you're a massage therapist, Michelle, and someone you can release some motion, like, um, some toxins in their body and then they can actually feel sick, can't they? That can happen in reme remedial yeah. massage. Yeah. So it's like when we fired these pathways in Chloe, it was like, oh, she became sick because her body had never experienced that before. So this cellular communication that we're currently using, um, there is no side effects of that happening. It's just a really amazing organic um, process of her just becoming more and more independent. So it's a beautiful process. Yep. Can I just backtrack for a sec? Because for, I, I, I want to just, I want you to define neuroplasticity sort of in a nutshell for people who aren't really familiar with the term or, or the therapy. I think there's just, um, I'm not a neuro, I'm not a neurosurgeon by any means. So I'm an expert on Chloe. So neuroplasticity to, to Chloe and I is that we obviously have path. I'm just going to try and keep this as simple as I can. So obviously we have pathways inside our body and they don't fire correctly, right? So we all have all of these things that are going on in our body. And some of us have things that fire better and some of us have pathways that don't fire. So neuroplasticity is about providing the body with the right information so it can actually start firing its pathways on its own. And so um, not that I have to be careful, but I do have to be careful because neuroplasticity in Australia, just to let everyone know, is not really endorsed in this country. Okay, so there is lots of therapies that you can use and there are lots of there are lots of things that the mainstream health system does not support for people to achieve wellness and independence. 
Now, I don't mean that in a negative way or in a derogatory way, um, but sometimes just with the way that the government is and the legislation and the new science that's coming, sometimes there's not enough clinical trials to support the therapies that are being created at the rate that they're being created at. Mm. So, neuro, so to neuroplasticity is just about giving the information, the body the right information, so it can do what it's designed to go and do. And certain therapies then can plasticize this inside our body. So say you can't use your right arm and you have a stroke and you do the neurological intervention, right? And you get stimulus back in your right arm because you've put that information back into that body, whether it's through 3D information and wearing goggles and, you know, and they're already retraining the brain. Like this is happening in Australia, but it's not supported in mainstream health. And so there's so many things that can be done um, by independent people that are bringing this technology in. It's a really, um, it's just really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I'm not going to go into it. Dr. Malala is someone that people can go and look up and he is in America and he's an amazing. Here we are. We're back. Uh, we got cut off, but um, let's <laughs> let's uh not let the technical issues uh ruin a good conversation (laughs) yeah so i think um well i was just talking about the neuroplasticity how life-changing it it was and how that had probably a really massive impact on chloe's life and ours because she never spoke um until she was really four years old like there was words that we could understand but there was no words that were well no one else would understand her words except for us because we had gotten used to that and um the first time that we had gone to a chiropractor that was actually going to stimulate her brain in a way of um in a way that i had never seen before and after one treatment she came home and said her sister's name. And I just went, what in the world is that? (laughs) Um, And it was a really strange thing because she made her look at a red and white tape, spun her in an office chair one way, spun her in a chair the the other way, did something, spun her around and again. And she came home and she spoke. And I just went, huh, well, I think I'll be going back to that crazy lady. (laughs) (laughs) and um and that was incredible and that was probably so i had discovered that lady um probably about a year and a half after um that car accident and that was just life-changing for my entire family um and through homeopathy and many other different but it was really the basis is homeopathy right and that really changed um the four of us and then the neuroplasticity really took Chloe to a whole new level and has been life-changing for Chloe. Mm -hmm. So Chloe's just so you can paint a picture. So Chloe was pretty much, you know, really couldn't participate in life. She wasn't like, couldn't walk till she was over two. didn't walk out in public ever. We carried her everywhere because she couldn't, didn't know where she was in space. I mean, it was, it was a really hard, hard yard. Like they, 
her future was looking very grim if we would have stayed in the mainstream health system. And now to this day, Chloe is still quite um, far behind everyone else, but she rides a horse around our farm. She can saddle her horse. She can run three kilometers. She's an amazing reader. She does amazing spelling, um, um, really struggles in math because that's a prefrontal cortex issue. You know, so those are um, the prefrontal cortex is obviously very connected to her fine motor skills and those things are really far behind. But I know that we never thought that she'd be running three kilometers and doing amazing things. So, you know, we're really working on that gross motor skills and that whole vestibular system and the prefrontal cortex is the last to develop. So I know that we will get there, but it's, yeah, it hasn't been as easy to, to get those pathways to connect, but it is getting, we are seeing a lot more cognitive ability than what we've ever seen. Like she's really cheeky. She's very smart witted, but just making really strong, deep connections is still really, really challenging for her. But I know that's possible because I know there's so many modalities out there yet that I haven't even discovered yet. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to yeah, just connecting to amazing people that are really pushing the boundaries and, you know, wanting the best for future generations. So that's really powerful. But let's be honest, in her defense, math is hard. It's hard. It's hard for me. Oh, yeah. I'm not good for math, but still someone who is 12 years old. I, and I, I totally get that because I'm going, oh, my goodness, this could be like all my fault because I'm shocking in math. Right. <laughs> but it's like, um, like she doesn't even know one plus one. So it's um, so math is hard. And some people like, like, I mean, she's an amazing reader for someone who really, I didn't even think that she'd even be able to speak really. So, I mean, she's probably reading at a year four level, which is amazing, but she still can't do, you know, one plus one. So there's a really, and her fingers don't work, you know, like it's really hard for her to eat and coordinate things. And so she can hold a pencil and stuff, but it's not like, and she gets fatigued that way. So we have chronic fatigue because it's not, it's not because we're, have a disease you know it's a neural development thing so we really got to really look at how we're speaking to our children and really look at how we're dealing with life so chronic fatigue isn't about taking medication it's about what can we do for your neural development and what's not working inside your brain to fire those pathways so you don't actually have to be um so tired yeah and you've started studying some of these therapies too i haven't studied the neuroplasticity I just um I would have to probably crawl 20 kilometers a day for me to study neuroplasticity (laughs) I just don't think I could do it but I have studied trauma work I'm it's really important for me to understand that because um so before I had Chloe like a lot of women um we have miscarriages and lots of us have you know we can have terminations just for, for issues that were going on and so for me I um, was one of the women that had two miscarriages and then I had to have an emergency termination which I didn't know why because I was perfectly healthy I felt perfectly healthy but um, the system said that I was in danger the baby was in danger so there was a really at that time there was a really big trauma that um, was created in my life and so what happened was that I created a massive fear response because I didn't, 
um, the grief process wasn't dealt with. And so the creation of Chloe was created through fear. So Chloe came into the world very fear-based. And so when you talk about um, the modalities that I have learned, I have actually learned trauma therapies. So I haven't learned the, the neuroplasticity therapies. I most definitely understand them for Chloe. And I could, you know, most definitely support um, the school system implementing strategies to support Chloe's neurological development, right? But what I have become very um, informed about is trauma and understanding the impacts of trauma on our neurological development. Because I don't think people realize uh, the impact that the trauma that moms experience are then passed down to their children. And so we can have generational traumas. And um, so my trauma was fear. And so Chloe came into the world very fear-based. So lots of the shamanic healing, the homopathy, the energy medicine, um, the Reiki, the um, ancestral work was really trauma-based to release the fear that she came into the world with and then release the fear that I put into her that she took on as her truth. Because, you know, like when we're in the womb and when we're young children, we can take on our parents' beliefs, right? Because they don't know what's going on. So the whole time that I was pregnant with Chloe, you know, it was fear-based because I, I wanted to know. And the doctor said everything was fine, but I knew it wasn't fine. And so this whole second guessing, this whole fear, this whole doubt, you know, she showed up in her life with. And I didn't know that at the time. Like, you know, that took probably, oh, you know, probably, I'd probably say six years into her life until I realized that generational trauma was real. And, you know, and we were living it. And lots of people are, you know, like we talk about disease in this world and we say, oh, it's in our genes. And that is so true. It may be in our genes, but it's how our genes are expressed. So, you know, why are we getting all of this disease in this world? You know, because my aunt had it, my, you know, and then my great aunt had it. But what gene is being expressed? What is your environment? Like we're talking about epigenetics. Um, and this is a whole new science that people are not even embracing in our world. You know, and that's how our environment actually impacts our genes. You'll be right. Just try again. It'll be right. You know, move on. Get over it. You know, there's no grief counselors there. Like women that have got miscarriages and terminations, they need grief counseling and not someone to talk to, but to do that somatic healing of healing it from our deepest wounds that we hold inside that we don't share with anyone else. It needs healed at that cellular level. So it's not being passed down to all the future generations that are coming forward. It's a really important message to get across to women. Yeah. It's just, it's, just, it's such an interesting topic. And I want to, <laughs> I want to just stop for a moment. Anyone who's listening, just think, and it's not only pregnancy trauma, but perhaps any trauma that your mother has experienced and has held on to in her life that you have um you have carried through into yours and not only that but your mother's mother who passed it on to your mother who's you know passed this on to you and and if you live in if if you have had parents through several generations of this certain um way of living through trauma and hardship and all of those things you know maybe you're 
repeating those traumas because they have been genetically passed down to in your body. And I think that's something it's, it's really amazing. And it's something to definitely bring your awareness to and think, okay, what happened to my mother and my mother's mother and, and, and how much of that is. And your father. Yeah. Yeah. And your father, because, you know, like, I know that you're in that womb, but you're created by 50-50, and this is so important. Like, I'm only speaking from my, like, a mother's perspective and the mother's wounding that I've owned, right? Yeah. You know, but Chloe was created, like, every other child is created by another half that has, you know, two other generations that are impacting its life as well. So, like, I mean, it's a massive thing. It's it's really powerful. It's, it's, um... And it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It just means that's what that's what it is. And then you can be more compassionate in the way that you parent or and you know, and really looking for not having to justify someone's behavior or to criticize someone and just going, Oh, we need to have compassion that um, you know, yeah, my dad's my dad's dad was an alcoholic and he used to beat the wife and this kid comes in really, really angry, you know, because maybe it got a gene from that. Like it's, we need to, it just creates an awareness because we can live in self-denial, but it's only when we become self-aware that we can actually choose something different. Mm-hmm. And that's where the power comes in. Yeah. There doesn't need to be any blame in any of this. It just, you know, it's, sorry to say, you know, um, it's just that, when we become self-aware and aware of what actually are the implications to how come we are a certain way, we can let go of the judgment that we, that we lay on other people and then lay upon ourselves. It's, yeah. It can be a beautiful gift, self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what kind of energy work can people use to help heal from generational trauma i would say probably not to everyone's amazement but it would be endless (laughs) it would be there is so much out there there really is like um and there is so like many shamanic healings. Like I'm not a shamanic healing, but most definitely I support them. We've we've all all four of us has had them in our family. Um, like I do timeline therapy, and it's beautiful going back and doing that healing. There is like inner family systems, internal family systems. There's the Reiki. There is the lifeline technique. There is just so many therapies on so many levels. Like, I mean, I, those are just to name a few. And now, and it is what you talk. Um, there's so many different therapies because like, um, like my 15 year old is probably still too young to do timeline therapy. Right. And doing like, you know, where she's got to go back and be hypnotized a little bit and then going back into that thing and then actually seeing the trauma she's probably not had enough cognitive awareness yet to be able to say I'm separate to that you know because she might go into um into the past and really see something that she's not even heard about right she's probably just a little bit too young so 
those sorts of therapies you really have to be mindful with. Like, and that's how come I really love the, the shamanic healing and really people that can go back in time and heal it there. So people that do the time travel, um, I'm not a psychic. Um, I don't really support psychics um, in my world. I think if you're wanting to go and hear a message, that's fine, but not about deep spiritual healing. So there are different things teaching our children to connect to them to, to themselves. Like both my kids are Reiki attuned and just getting them to when they're sad, they can actually heal their own body. They can ask their guides to come in and do that. Crystals are really, really powerful. Um, so going to a person that does crystal healing, sound healing is an amazing modality, um, you know, done through the right people. And if they're trained in the trauma and going back into that ancestral lineage with music, I mean, there are so many things out there that can support that. Um, I like the crystals and the sound healing for little kids just because it's gentle and then they can come and go out of the space. So, you know, we can, we can say yes to something, right. But a child, um, you know, they only might need five minutes because they don't have the, like for me, I'm 44. So I've got 44 years of shit to clean up <laughs> in this lifetime and then my past lifetime. But little kids, you know, they're, they're still in their physical body, right? So they might only need five minutes of sound healing. They might just need five minutes of, you know, crystal healing. Um, I do EFT, emotional freedom techniques. That's great for little kids because they can clear a belief, you know, within two or three minutes because they don't have the 40 years plus of programming that they've gone and done. So there's so many modalities out there that are really profound to help. And, you know, some people might not be spiritual. So I'm a farmer and I was never spiritual. I'm going, what the hell are you talking about? Guides and spirits and shit. What the heck's all that? Now it's like, oh, yeah, come on. <gasps> I'm all over all of that stuff now. I love it. I really think it's really important for us to have guides. You know, so people can do that spiritual side or they can do the EFT, which is very practical in the here and now. You know, you can feel it in your body. The kids can do it. They feel the relief instantaneously. So I think it's really specific to who you are and what you're bringing into the world. Do you want to bring spirituality into it or do you just want to bring this other side to it? And I know that they're both connected and I see that now. But some people still think Reiki and all of that's a little bit woohoo. You know, like, oh, it's a little bit woohoo. It's a little bit left field. You know, we don't want to go there. And so you can just do this other stuff. And then once you start connecting to yourself, you can then realize that spirituality is just the way that you connect to yourself. Mm-hmm. And spirituality is not religion. You know, so there, there's a big difference in all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and probably a lot of fear and a lot of um I guess uh negative connotations from uh, more conventional spirituality and I think that's changing like I really see that that you know people are becoming more connected like I mean you do meditation and you know you're becoming a coach yourself and you know like we're just I think the cultural conditioning is changing we are wanting to be more connected to ourselves we are wanting to connect to nature more we are because we become so um commercialized in the last few years like in the last probably 60 years 
that we're really turning it around and going, oh, we need to come back to plant-based medicines. We need to come back to energy work. We need to, because it's not that we're learning these new techniques. We're just going back to the old, you know, to the, to the tribal days. But now we just have the science to prove that these things actually work. Yeah. So I don't think that we're creating anything new because the chakra system has been around for eons you know the meridians in our body have been around forever you know the aboriginals used to sing to the song lines you know so now we're using music you know like the indians used to heal like the africans use music to heal and dance and create beautiful things you know like i mean it's all so i think we now we just um and not in mainstream but you know like we have a whole new science that's supporting everything that was done in such an organic way many many generations ago and I think that's beautiful yeah yeah it really is it's really nice to think not when 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 people talk about it as being new age stuff it's really not it's really old old stuff yeah, it's this old wisdom coming through, but now we have the tools, which is so amazing to yeah. say why they're so beneficial. Yeah, yeah. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. So, Nancy, why do you feel so strongly to call yourself an advocate for human potential? Oh, well, I'll, I get really excited about this, Michelle. <laughs> um. Well, I think my entire life I have always been that. I, was, I didn't like people bullying kids at school. Um, so I've always been advocating probably for the underdog um, for most of my life. But it really didn't come to fruition really until I seen the change in my daughter. Like, so my daughter was really quite, uh, yeah, like it was hard when my daughter was born to us like there was no answers and I was in hospital for a long time and I seen a lot of um I'll get teary about this as well I I seen a lot of kids sick and that were never ever going to go home and yeah and it was a really big worry because um I didn't know this at the time but I get really quite emotional about it now is that there was just this one view of looking at someone's health, you know, and it had to be out of a textbook. And um, and I'm just so grateful for that tree. Um, I'm just not, I'm not holding back the tears because I'm allowed to cry because I think tears are so important in everyone's healing journey. And... The day that um, I went to that lady and she showed me the red and white tape and she spun Chloe in a chair and her life changed. I still hold that day as clear as anything in my mind. And I realize that each and every one of us can be greater than our circumstances. It really, it took me on, um, it took me on an amazing journey um, of finding the amazing people who are trying to empower people to be the best version. And this is not for monetary gain. It, it is about because it's actually their true essence. 
they're creating modalities that are empowering and they have that much light in their soul that the greatest gift you can give them is transformation. And I so want to be a part of that community because there is just so much light in this world and there is so much in each one of us. And when we realize that we are enough, we won't have to be as greedy and keep taking from other earth and keep consuming and keep feeding an industry that probably doesn't want us to be healthy anyway. And I'm not saying that we have to go back and live in villages in the communities and live like the tribal people. I'm just talking that we can just live a much more simple life and we can realize that we are enough. And that would be a beautiful legacy to leave behind if I could just, every person that I touched felt a little bit lighter and they could give a little bit more and take a little bit less. I think we would have a different society than what we are experiencing right now. Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, On that note, where can people reach you? Well, I am just becoming... Um, active on Facebook. I haven't always been that way. Um, so now you can find me at Simply Rise Up, and that's just um, Nancy Dent. And so you can look up Nancy Dent, um, and I'm and befriend me if you want to. And, um, and then my business page is just Simply Rise Up, and it is that way just because it doesn't have to be complicated. And we can all rise up to our potential. Yeah. It's it's in all of us. Yeah. So it holds a very special meaning to me that to me that name. <laughs> yeah. I will link those places in the show notes if anyone wants to click through, you can go there. But Nancy, thank you so much for sharing your story and your knowledge and your wisdom with us. And um I uh I wish you and your family every blessing every happiness and and for you all to prosper into the future that's a beautiful message michelle i am i send that all back to you thank you and i hope the community that watches and all the people that this that this goes to find that their day can be a little bit lighter Love yourself a little bit more. Forgive yourselves when you don't always get it right. And just be kind to your neighbor. And you don't have to agree, but kindness is something that we can all do. And we need more of it right now. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, so thank you. And thank you, Michelle, for having me on your podcast. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m 